Hunt, hunt. Another cougar game is in the books. Some pressure. BYU picked it up nicely. They gave Hall time to throw downfield, and it's caught. It's Touchdown, BYU! Here steps up. Now he's going to run for it. He's got a lot of green out in front. Down the left sideline. That's the speed of Hall inside the 20. He ducks out of bounds. Big game, Jaron Hall. Another timeout's going to sprint right and deliver inside the five. Powell lunged for the pylon. He got there. Touchdown. Supposed to get rid of the ball, he couldn't do it. BYU brought the pressure. Cruz with all kinds of time going deep and throwing it into coverage, throwing right to the BYU defender, and it's intercepted in the back of the end zone. Hayden Livingston. The clock is at zero, and it's time to break down today's game. This is your Cougar post-game show, presented by JCW's and Tri-Day Trading on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome into your Cougar post-game show here on the Zone Sports Network. BYU wins it 24-16 over Arizona. We are, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at JCW's, and we're live tonight from the Tri-Day Trading Studios. Hands, what's up, my friend? Well, I love being here at the studios, man. Tri-Day Trading, if you haven't been out to TridayTrading.com to see how you can make a little extra money, do it. TridayTrading.com, $10, 30 days in the market. These guys are great. And like you said, we love being here by the studios, Jake, because Mm -hmm. this is a lot closer to our homes. I was going to say, you and I, it's real easy for us. People might not know this, but uh, Jake Hatch and I have been living together for about two and a half years now out in Eagle Mountain. (laughs) And uh, it's been a great partnership. We've... We've enjoyed our living conditions, and, and it is nice because we are so close. Thank you for letting me take up residence in your basement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, dude, this is it was great, man. What a what a fun game, and what a good win for Kalani Satake to kick off his his uh, renewed contract and kick off the 2021 season and do it in such amazing fashion in Allegiant Stadium that's mm-hmm. jam packed with BYU fans and. And do it with a new quarterback that looked very good at times mm-hmm. and uh, a running game that was solid at times. And, you know, there there were a couple things that you hope get fixed. And there was one issue in particular that we're all praying for, that Keenan Ellis will be okay. I know yep. that anytime you have that long of a delay and you're bringing ambulances out onto the field, and it's all so scary. And we all hope that Keenan Ellis is going to be okay. And we'll hopefully get an update. Well, they did, they did put out an update in the fourth quarter, actually. He was being treated at a local hospital there, had movement in all of his extremities. So that's a positive sign. He's being treated at a trauma center, but uh, at least initially some positive news on that front. Some really good news. And hopefully we can get Patrick Kinahan on. And I know that I was texting with PK because he was there while all that was going on. And so we'll get some feedback from him. But... It does look positive at this point, so that's good news. Yep. All right, Hans, so you mentioned the fact that the quarterback play, we saw some not-so-good quarterback play to start from Jaron Hall in this game. 
but he really turned it on in that second quarter, it felt like, and really settled into this game, started making nice throws. I think that touchdown throw to Neil Pau was probably the finest one he had all game. Yeah, it was, and there's a lot that went into that play. Arizona had brought a five-man pressure, and they brought an outside linebacker, and you watch Jaron Hall sit back. BYU had a six-man protection, Mm -hmm. and – they switched off the blitz really well, set up really nice pocket for Jaron. Jaron held to the left part of the field, pushed the safety over the top. Neil Powell kind of floated into the soft space on his go, and Jaron put it right on the money. And Neil was able to take it in for the touchdown. So really nice pass, really nice reception, and a good run after the catch for Neil Powell. Probably the play of the game for Jaron Hall, for sure. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. He had a really nice throw there. Neil Powell just able to just kind of reach out, snag that out of the air. He's off to the races at that point. Big win for BYU all the same. Eight points. I think the margin of victory probably a little smaller than BYU fans probably anticipated. You and I both anticipated. We thought it was going to be more of a blowout for the Cougars. But yeah. got to give Arizona credit. That safety got them kind of back into this game. They get the touchdown on the next drive, and for a little bit there, it looked like BYU was on the back hill a little bit. Yeah, they gave up the safety, and, you know, really tough situation. The safety came off of a backside pressure. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was supposed to be a scoop block between James Impey and Joe Tukuafu on the right side, and Joe just didn't get flat enough, and – the Arizona three technique did a really good job of sparking into the A-gap and was able to underhook underneath Joe and get the penetration into the backfield and get the, the tackle for the safety. And that gave up a, another a quick touchdown that followed it with a two-point conversion that made the game 21-13. And that touchdown that came after that that safety was impressive. Mm-hmm. Arizona showed a lot of athleticism, and they grabbed momentum. And you saw the offensive experience from Jed and from Jed Fish, and what he's able to do when he seizes momentum. Yeah. He put his foot on the the gas, and yep. they made some really they made some really great play calls, and and. Arizona came up with that touchdown and that two-point conversion that was, you know, reviewed, and it just barely snuck in the corner there. But, you know, Arizona had their own problems. They, they've they got a field goal kicker. They just can't make a kick. They yep. had two very mid-level kicks for for three points. That, Correct. They, they've left six points on the, on the field, and, and if they would have had those six points – that last possession would have been a lot different. Yeah, so I say, yeah, it changes the whole dynamic of that game if they have those if they have those points. There's no doubt about it. No question. So yeah, just a, a crazy game. But BYU is one and zero on the year, and suddenly it's rivalry week as we get ready for the Holy War game next Saturday. But we'd love to hear from you guys your thoughts on the game. This is your Cougar post game show. Feel free to call in eight five five three four zero nine six six three three four zero zone. Let us know your thoughts on the game. What your takeaways are. What did you take away from Kalani Sataki and the Cougars? Uh, he's now 3-0 and against Arizona all time. Yeah, Kalani's really good in openers and really good in openers against Arizona. And, you know, I thought that the team looked prepared. Obviously, Jaron Hall has some nerves that he had to shake out, but sure. the team looked really prepared. And I was looking at this from an Arizona offensive point of view. 
I don't. I wouldn't know what to expect from that defense that was on the field for BYU. Mm-hmm. They would bring five man pressures. They would rush three. They would look to rush three, and they would bring a five man pressure. They were doing really great things back in coverage. Uh, Heron had a couple of big time PBUs, mm-hmm. and they were really frustrating the Arizona quarterbacks at times. So I thought that the defense was really versatile. It was changed up well. And Arizona could not get, other than that quick touchdown drive, they couldn't get a consistent feel of what BYU was doing defensively. And Tyler Batty, I I think they ended up with four sacks tonight. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Peely had one. Mm -hmm. Leotawa had one. Batty had one, Will and Wilgar had yep. one. So four sacks tonight by this BYU defense, and a lot of energy, a lot of one-on-one rush, a lot of blitzing, a lot of drop eight. It was a really good mix, and I thought BYU's defense made it really tough for Arizona. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It was actually nice to see them kind of change up how they came after that quarterback. You saw twists. You saw stunts. You saw this defensive line just winning battles one-on-one, something we haven't seen from BYU's defensive line at least in, the, in recent memory. They've really struggled at times, it felt like, to win one-on-one battles. And four sacks, evidence the BYU's able to get after the quarterback. Yeah. Gunnar Cruz ended up playing, I'd say, about 90% of the snaps for Arizona in this game. I, he seemed okay at points, but I'm with you, Hans. It just didn't seem like B, they, they could get any consistency going outside of that one touchdown drive. Yeah, and that one touchdown drive was really nice. You know, Barry Hill... You were talking about this Stanley Berryhill III. Mm-hmm. He is a very special talent. Yeah. Very fast receiver, very tough to cover. And I thought Michael Wiley was a very good receiver for Arizona. I came out of this game more impressed um, between the, the running of Michael Wiley and the, the catching ability of Michael Wiley and the catching ability of Stanley Berryhill and some of the things they were doing defensively, I, I w- I'm much more impressed with Arizona than I expected to be. Well, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. They have some athletes. The, the cupboard was not completely bare that uh, Jed Fish was taking over. The quarterback situation, I've got my questions about yeah, who's going to get the ball sure. to these playmakers, but they have athletes on that roster. It's very evident. A lot of them. And I also thought that Arizona at times did some really nice things defensively to change things up against this BYU offense, mm-hmm. trying to frustrate the run, um, throwing a lot of different blitz looks into run gaps. And they they did some really nice things defensively that kept Tyler Algier on his toes. Algier didn't quite hit the 100-yard mark. He ended with 94 yards yep. on 17 carries. That still gives him over five yards a carry. And he had a touchdown on the ground. Nice touchdown run. That was the first score of the game for BYU on that touchdown run. So that touchdown run from Tyler Algier was it was very beautiful. Uh, if you wanted to go check it out, at 975Hance, I put out a quick clip of it. That's at 975Hance on Twitter. And I just tweeted that out, and you could go watch it. But BYU was able to catch Arizona in a shift. Um, they caught Arizona just a little bit in scramble mode defensively where they were overloaded on the right side and the three technique was trying to slide back over to the left side. Mm-hmm. 
BYU snapped it before he was able to get back to position. And you had a really nice climb block by, I think it might have been Pei. No, I think it was Tokuafu who had a really nice climb block up to the linebacker. You had a, a beautiful block by Freeland. And actually, it might have been Lachance. But however it was, the offensive line had really nice blocking. They caught him in that movement. And you saw Tyler Algier with his vision kind of bounce bounce wide and turn on the Jets and get that touchdown. Really nice touchdown to open that game. He's a really good running back. There is no doubt about Very that. Very quick. We mentioned in the pregame show, I, I told you about that clip he said. He said, I had an okay year last year, and he feels like he can really do some big things this year. 94 yards, nice start to the season there. Uh, we were told we have a caller. I forgot what the name was, so Jeff, if you could help me out with the name one more time. Uh, Parley's on the line. If you guys want to call in with your thoughts on the game, uh, please do so. 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-9663. Let's get out to Parley. What's up, Parley? Hey, how you guys doing? Doing all right. Very, very happy to have another BYU season. Happy to have you guys. Hands, I love you. Super happy to be back listening to you guys and hearing all your comments. So I, I just had a couple thoughts on the game. Uh, first, I wanted to know if you guys, uh, after I'm done asking my question, whatever, uh, what some of the injuries were tonight, if you have any updates on that, and uh, why the Nakua brothers were on the field. What was going on there and, like, like with Jake DeMay, why was he not out there? Like some of that stuff was, I have no idea. So maybe you guys can clear that up. Uh, and this, but my other question was, is I didn't understand why we didn't use Isaac Rex more. They seemed like he was blocking on almost every single play, and it was so frustrating. Like I like Holker. I think he's a good tight end. But why is Isaac Rex on one-on-one against DB? It's just, that just like blew my mind. I didn't understand that. And Super impressed our defense tonight. Like, we played really hard on defense, and I actually thought our quarterback play was pretty pretty awesome. It was pretty cool to see Zag there. I miss him, but I actually thought our quarterback play was pretty sweet tonight. Anyway, thank you, guys. Great questions across the board, Parley. And, Jake, I'll answer some of this Isaac Rex and Holker stuff, and then I can give the injury updates. Yeah, if you've got injury updates and and also some personnel updates because there were a couple guys that weren't out there. And I think a lot of people do have questions about that. But my thoughts on Isaac Rex and, and Holker, I think this is just my gut telling me, and I'm not saying that BYU felt like they could really reserve themselves and not show their full hand, but I think that there is a lot to this offense that wasn't shown. I think that Holker and Isaac Rex through the year they're both going to be targeted more, and they're both going to have more action come their way. But I think they wanted them to get busy in the run game blocking. I think that they wanted them to be flares in a lot of the play action looks. Mm-hmm. And I think that it lends to possibly during rivalry week, maybe opening it up for either Holker or Rex. And it was just kind of a, a reserved look for the tight ends in this game. So. I'm not that concerned about it, and partly I would say that it's probably very much on Aaron Roderick's mind. He knows that he's got two solid targets that are playmakers, so I'm sure that it's on top of his mind and coming out of this game in film review. I would be shocked if we didn't see 
two more targets to Holker and three to four more targets to Isaac Rex, even in this rivalry week. One thing on the the whole thing with Isaac Rex is BYU understood that they were going to bring a lot of blitzes, speaking of Arizona. And they left Rex in as kind of a max protect type of guy because he's actually a very good blocker. The other thing I saw from him, he got the Matt Bushman treatment in this game. Everywhere he went, if you if you watched it, yeah. a linebacker shaded him everywhere he went. No matter which side of the field he lined up on, he was being shaded. So he got the Matt Bushman treatment in They're this game. They're very aware of where oh, he yeah. was and what he was doing. They knew I, number 83 is a guy they had to track all night long. I, I was surprised that the ball didn't go to Holker a few more times. I think he was only targeted once. At least there's only one time that I remember him being targeted. He He did not have a reception, but I think that there was only one target. That, that I saw. If there was another one, it just slipped by me. Other than that, you, Mason Wake had one catch mm-hmm. for 10 yards. Yep. Isaac Rex had two for nine. And to Parley's question, you, you can expect more from these BYU tight ends. I would expect more, absolutely. I would absolutely expect that. That's just something I noticed in that game. Okay, on the injury front, uh, Gunnar Romney left the game. It, Tyler Algier kind of went into him. Uh, he was blocking, and Tyler Algier kind of dove into his leg. Uh-huh. Like he bent up backwards and kind of fell back over. He was reported to be on crutches. It was a knee injury, according to the BYU broadcast, that he was out with. So don't know the severity of that, but he missed the rest of that game. That's nerve-wracking. It is nerve-wracking. There is yeah. no doubt about that. And the Nakua brothers, I know Puku was not anticipated to play in tonight's game. He, he is coming off off-season foot surgery. He's been slow to recover from that. They just wanted to make sure they eased him back in. We'll see what happens moving forward here. We did see Samson recover the onside kick there, so we did see him on the field finally in this game. I was expecting to see him a little bit more, but they very much those two have dealt with some minor injuries during training camp, and they've been trying to get them back to where they feel yeah. like is 100%. So don't fret too much about the Nakua brothers. I think you'll see them more as this season progresses. And then the one other thing, uh, Keenan Ellis, uh, as we mentioned, as we kind of kicked off the show here, he was taken to a local hospital. I think it was University Medical Center. He had uh, testing done, uh, feeling in all extremities. So good signs there. He was taken off on that backboard, put on, put into an ambulance. Very scary scene, obviously, early in this game. But it sounds like the initial uh, reports out of this is he's got feeling in all of his extremities, and here's hoping that he's able to re- make a full recovery in, in due time. One other injury that we saw out there was Uriah Leotawa, yep. and it, that was in the beginning stages uh-huh. of this game, and he came back. And you got that and- sack. And had a sack and had a lot of, of play time. So it was good to see him back on the field. So partly to your question, I would expect to see more from the uh, from uh, Sampson and Puka Nakua. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that Puka was just kind of a game time decision. I thought we might see some reps out of him. Very light usage. But as we saw, they wanted to hold back on that. They must have felt comfortable with what they had out there. And Neil Powell, I'm obviously. Say, Neil Powell, who just kind of stepped in and just became the guy. Well, see, I, what I've understood through camp, Neil Same Powell here. was going to be the guy anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, I kept he, getting, he'd have the best camp. Sure. I kept getting reports from people down there in Pro saying, he's the best receiver on this roster. He kept coming to me time and time yeah. again. And when that happens, you kind of have to pay attention to it. And he, he very much showed that tonight. I believe he finished with, let me pull this up here, eight receptions, 126 yards, and those two touchdowns. Of course, the long was that 67-yard touchdown that he caught. So, Parley, in my mind, BYU knows these next two matchups against Utah and Arizona State. They are going to need Puka. They're going to need Sampson. They're going to need Holker and Rex. They're going to need those guys much, much more. It's going to have to be 
more widely spread out because just having Neil Pau out there running around isn't going to be enough. Uh, this Utah defensive backfield can take Neil Pau from a 126-yard receiver to a 34-yard receiver. They've got so many cover guys, and if you can't yep. force them out of certain coverages to focus on one talent, then that's going to make it really a really long night for that single talent. So I, I would expect those guys to be spread out more, and maybe we see a little bit more from Puka or Sampson coming up next week. Yeah, that I think that's kind of the game plan. That's everything I was hearing in that regard. Is the thought was if they don't play in this game, the thought is they want them healthy, as you mentioned, for these big two matchups upcoming against Utah and Arizona State because those are much more difficult opponents in all, in all reality. How about this? Utah State getting the win over I was Washington say, State. Scotty, I think, had a conniption fit on Twitter. He he just tweeted out, like, he just jumbled a bunch of things on his keyboard, I'm pretty sure, and tweeted it out. So <laughs> Scott Gerard, of course, he's calling the game over there. It's on 1280. I think we're on 97.5 right now. So if you want to uh, tune into that, uh, Utah State getting a huge win up there on the Palouse, beating Washington State. So a nice win for Blake Anderson in his first game as head coach of the Aggies. <laughs> really bad opening day for the Pac-12. Outside of UCLA, it was a rough day, Just really. A, uh, an embarrassing loss by Washington. I was going to say, Washington's going to really wear the dunce cap, Ooh. losing to Montana of all teams. And then Fresno and San Jose State, they they were making the Oregon and USC mm-hmm. look very mediocre. They made him sweat, there's no doubt. All right, we said uh, Robin, right? Is that who we got, Jeff? All right, let's go to Robin. Robin, how are you, sir? Hey, man, I'm just calling to check on my man, Hanson. Scotty, are you guys going to have a voice for the podcast in five hours? <laughs> uh, yeah, the, we do have – we've got the morning after podcast coming up tomorrow. We'll get through it, Robin. We'll, we'll figure out a way to get through this. It's just been hey, a long couple of late nights. No, I tell you, we appreciate what you do. What's uh, is the field goal kicker for you guys? What was wrong with him? They had a different guy they were talking on. Yeah, so, I was listening to ESPN. Did he get hurt as well? Yeah, so in I, I saw a tweet early in the game saying that Oldroyd came out, had started warming up, and then was being looked at by trainers, and he never came back out of the locker room based on what I had seen on Twitter. So Justin Smith, the backup, handled all the place-kicking duties in this game, and he did make that 40-yard field goal. So credit to, to that young man stepping in. The issue with Jake Oldroyd – sorry, go ahead, oh, Robin. No, no, no. I was, I was going to say – as a Utah fan calling you guys, uh-huh. it, I think BYU kind of held back tonight as well. Like, they had that game in control the whole time. And, uh, man, rivalry week. It's going to be exciting. And, uh, you know, as a Utah fan, I'm concerned. BYU's tough. And I do like the blue helmets. Other than that, you guys go take some lozenges and uh, keep up the hard work, man. <laughs> we'll do our best. Thank Thanks, you, Robin. Robin. But, yeah, so the issue with Jake Oldroyd is he had his freshman year. He actually won that game against Arizona and Kalani Satake's first game with a big kick. He missed the rest of that year with a back injury. And he's had a history of back injuries going back to his high school days. And that's the concern is maybe something uh, popped up here in pregame. So we'll have to kind of monitor that moving forward. Uh, in the meantime, I thought his backup did okay. I mean, that was a – what was it, a 40-yard field goal there? 40-yard field goal. He, he Give it a double uh, – a two – a two-possession lead. Yeah, so it was not a bad uh, showing for Justin Smith. Place kicking. Ryan Rico showing off a big leg, punting for BYU. Had that absolute bomb late in the game that Stanley Berryhill muffed, and BYU was unfortunately not able to recover it, but he showed off a very strong leg. So I felt like the special teams, n- not anything uh, 
overly concerning there for BYU. But uh, one thing I wanted to point out here is uh, that hands on defense. I didn't notice this until just barely. Do you know how many tackles that Keenan Peely finished this game with? How many? 17 Attaboy. total tackles. Ten of them solo. He, of course, had that sack and a tackle for loss. But 17 tackles. Ben Bywater, one of the, one of the other starting linebackers in this game, he finishes with 10 tackles. Chaz Ayu with nine. So some very good showings for BYU on defense. And uh, kind of to Robin's point, I felt like BYU may have held back a little bit, and maybe that tight end situation is, is part of that. Well, I just – I think that they had a- – some some level of conservative nature going against Arizona, wanting to control the ball, mm-hmm. wanting to really be careful with any turnovers, not letting Arizona get anything cheap on them. And I thought they did that. I thought they accomplished that. They they did get Jaron Hall into a lot of play action looks, a ton of play action looks, and he looked good in that. Um, outside of that kicker that stepped up, how about Hayden Livingston stepping up with an interception? Yep. When Arizona went to the end zone, um, obviously a bad decision to let that thing air out right there. You weren't as pressed as what that play looked to be or what that throw looked to be, but Hayden Livingston came down with the first pick of his career, and um, that was a fantastic moment for him to do that. Yeah, no, he – and by the way, that throw by Gunnar Cruz that he picked off, Hayden Livingston, his kind of body language as he caught that ball was kind of like – you sure this is for me? Because he was all alone. The yeah. receiver wasn't even near uh, where that ball was thrown to. But Hayden Livingston, big interception. There's no doubt about that. Helped BYU kind of seal up this win. It was a huge, huge turn of events there as he gets that interception. And Gunnar Cruz is going to rue making that throw. There's no doubt about that. Well, there were so many big moments in this game and so many names that we expected to step up that stepped up. Tyler Algier and Neil Powell are two of the offensive names. Wilgar with a big sack and had so many big plays in this game. Uh, we talked about Hayden Livingston and his big interception. Tyler Batty, he ended up with, I believe, one registered stack, but he had at least two other quarterback pressures that were awesome. Batty looks big and he does. looks very much in control. And I think he's going to give Utah a lot to handle coming up next weekend. And um, I also thought it was interesting that um, that Connor – or is it Austin Pay or Connor Pay? Connor Pay. I thought it was interesting that Connor Pay got the start at the right guard. Yeah, there was some rotation there with Joe Tuku off with that right guard spot. I don't think it's settled quite yet. But, but beat Pay, him out for the start. Yeah, Connor Pay did get the start at that position. That was a little bit of a surprise. I agree with you on that. Uh, just going back to your point on Tyler Batty, four total tackles, three of them solo, one sack, one tackle for loss. They don't have uh, quarterback hits or quarterback hurries on this stat sheet that I'm seeing. But good night, all the same for him. I'm with you. He looked like he's very much back in uh, playing shape. Very. We saw him last year play those four games. He had the four sacks. And really, I think, showed what he could do. And the hope was that he could get back on the field. Never got back on the field last year due to some injury issues. So good to see him finally back out there for BYU. All right. Well, uh, continue calling in. If you guys have post-game thoughts, we'd love to hear from you guys. Hoping to have post-game audio. Patrick Kinahan on hand down there at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. uh, Waiting for post-game press conferences to play out. We'll bring that to you as soon as we have it. Kalani Satake, as well as his players speaking to the media, what you hear from them. If you guys have post-game thoughts, feel free to call in 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-9663, or you can tweet at us at 975-HANDS, 
or at Jacob C. Hatch. We'd love to hear from you guys. Get your thoughts on air with us. As we continue on here, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back on the other side, get to some more of your thoughts. This is your Cougar postgame show brought to you by JCWs and our friends at TridayTrading.com on the Zone Sports Network. with all kinds of time going deep and throwing it into coverage through it right to the BYU defender and it's intercepted in the back of the end zone Hayden Livingston Welcome back to your Cougar post game show here on the Zone Sports Network brought to you by our friends at JCW's as well as TriDayTrading.com uh, tri We are live tonight at the TriDay Trading Studios in Lehigh Hands. I know you've been working with day trading for a long time now. They're just trying to make life easier for everybody out there. Yeah, so they're going to help you with the personalized coaching. You're going to download the proprietary software. They show you how to place trades. When we're talking about day trading, this is all in the currency market, so you're trading different currencies at different times of the day, and you're doing it from your own computer in your own office, it's as easy as going to TridayTrading.com, signing up, 30 days for just 10 bucks, and you get the personalized coaching, the downloaded software, mm -hmm. and you get a full background on how you can make money in the day trading market. And Ryan and the crew over here are absolutely phenomenal. They are great guys. They do a good job, mm -hmm. and appreciate them letting us use their studios for post-game shows because late nights like this, obviously not a lot of establishments would be willing to let us hang around, so we're grateful for them for opening the doors and let us hang out here. Uh, continue on with the Cougar post-game show. We'll have post-game audio for you as soon as Patrick Kinahan wraps things up down there in Las Vegas and sends it over to us. But in the meantime, let's get out to the phones. Dustin is on the line. Dustin, how are you, sir? How you guys doing? Thanks for staying up and talking to us. Talking Absolutely. To us um, yeah, I... You know, you guys, I'm I'm just grateful. I'm actually walking across Las Vegas Boulevard as we speak. Just was at the game. Very cool. Also, want to just throw out there, Keenan Ellis is keeping in our prayers because that was that looked nasty. Um, but anyway, the uh, win's a win, guys. And we've seen I've seen too many teams lose these kind of games. You have Washington, obviously. You got to be great. I'm grateful for the win. But my question for you guys is, what did you guys think about the defense? Um, it seemed a lot like what we've seen in the past. Was it them keeping it vanilla? dropping eight um i know he, he dialed up a couple blitzes there but we know we heard all off season about how we had locked down corners and we are going to you know change things up a little bit i don't know what you guys saw it's hard when in person just wanted to get you guys commentary on that but thanks again guys well i thought that you know first of all i think they were doing a lot of lockdown stuff and i think mm -hmm. they had a lot of things that they wanted to do but i think keenan ellis is a huge part of what they were expecting to do in the defensive backfield a huge part mm -hmm. Um, he is one of the best backs, one of the most experienced backs that they've got at that corner position. So once you lose him, that puts a lot of weight on Isaiah Heron. And Heron did a lot of good things, but that puts a lot more weight on the, the backups to do their thing. And I also think that they, they did run some man. They ran some press because there were some big blitzes at times 
there were a couple of all-out blitzes. Mm-hmm. That big sack that you saw was – I think it was the one Wilger came through. Yeah, he was a, it was a delayed blitz right up the middle. He wasn't even picked up. I want to say that was a six-man rush. I believe it was, yeah. And when you, when you run a six-man rush like that, you're going to get suppressed. So there's probably – there's probably a few more hard-pressed looks than what we're kind of thinking back to. Um, there was a lot of zone coverage that they ran as well. But I think that when you lose a, a corner that is the level of Keenan Ellis, I think that that kind of resets mentally what you can do as a staff and what you want to attempt to do. Sure, yeah. D'Angelo Mandel, they felt like him and Keenan Ellis were going to be two lockdown guys, and they felt like Isaiah Heron and the Oregon State transfer Caleb Hayes were going to be their top backups behind them. You lose Ellis early in this game, and then all of a sudden you're scrambling a bit. You put Heron into that game. We also saw Jacob Robinson come in and play some of that nickel corner. He's the transfer from Utah State. I thought he had some moments, almost had a pick early on in that game on a on a nice route across the middle, but I'm with you, Hans. I think it, it kind of resets the whole mindset yeah. with the defense when you lose one of those top corners that you were expecting to be able to go more man coverage with. Yeah, and then I think that situation, uh, the situation that presents to that last caller's point where you've got the quarterbacks that you've got and they are the threat level that you feel like they are that level of threat and – you get a feel for what you're attempting to do against Jed Fish's offense, mm-hmm. and you start to transition into what you feel best fits what he's attempting to do and what those quarterbacks have the ability to do. And instead of playing press, potentially getting beat, you press them behind, you're playing behind a little bit and making sure you're keeping everything in front of you. I also want people to know that that's going to be – Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb's MO. They're going to look at offenses, uh, the offense and what they average, mm-hmm. and they're going to say if they average 32 points, we want to keep them at 27 points, and we want to make sure our offense goes out and gets 28. Sure. If they are, a, you know, an offense that averages 24, let's keep them at 20 or 22. Let's keep them in front of us. Let's make it very difficult. Let's force them to burn clock, and and that's kind of what I saw them do against Arizona. You know, you know they still limited Arizona to 16 points. Mm-hmm. I know that Arizona got in the red zone a couple more times. It came out empty. Uh, actually, their first field goal kem- attempt wasn't in the red zone, was it? No, it was not. I think it was, a, it was just like a 40-yard attempt, if I recall correctly. But the second one, I know they got down to the nine mm-hmm. and then had a bad sack that, that took them – kind of deep and they missed that field goal as well so i know that there were some more points available out there but i felt like that defense did largely did what it is meant to do but i also think this defense is more versatile and i'm hoping that keenan ellis that it was that it was a knockout or maybe a concussion and not a severe neck injury. That's the hope, yes. That is the absolute hope. Uh, Gunnar Cruz for the game, 34 of 45 attempts, 336 yards. But a lot of the hands, it just felt like it was a lot of dink and dunk. BYU was more than content to let him just kind of dump it off to swing guards. I saw somebody on Twitter name, why are we not covering the flat? Well, that's what you're going to give up. You're happy to give that up if that's what they want to take because, as you mentioned, it's going to burn clock. It's only yeah. going to help you. You can just kind of sit back and rally to the ball at that point. 
Right. And then those those flats really tighten up when you get in the red zone. Yep. They become less of a threat and and that's their that, I think that that's their their thought process. We just want to make sure we keep it out in front of us. Get ready if that causes frustration, get ready to be frustrated through the season cuz mm-hmm. you are going to see that at times from Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb. Sure. Uh, one other thing, Hans, we talked about in the pregame how we felt like BYU's defense was going to go out there and absolutely sell out to stop the run and force. If Arizona was going to win this game, it was going to be on the arm of these quarterbacks. Well, BYU on the night, 35 attempts by Arizona, 81 yards. That's an yeah. average of 2.3 yards per carry. That's a job well done. Yeah. That 81 yards is a real indicator of what this defense can do. And because of Lorenzo Fateo went down – early in this game for a while. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. It was Uriah Leatel. Yeah, Zoe played most of the game tonight. Went down. Um, you saw more reps from guys like Gabe Summers, um, Mariner, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was it was a kind of a switch up across the, the defensive line, but I thought they did a good job of filling in for him before he came back, and then when he came back, it was nice to see him back and active, knowing that his injury wasn't that severe. But still, they did a good job. That defensive line did a really good job of of forcing Arizona back to the air. All right. I, one thing I wanted to touch on here, Hans, just looking at some of these stats coming in, BYU as a team overall, 368 yards as compared to Arizona's 426 yards. The time of possession, Arizona wins it 31 minutes to 20, almost 28, well, it's 28 and change. So Arizona almost three more minutes of, of time of possession. Is there any concern on your part that BYU's offense was too pedestrian in this game? I felt like it was, for the most part, pretty on point by and large. I know the first quarter, I felt like Jaron Hall had some first-game jitters. He did. Um, there were a couple throws that were off their mark. And having just watched Charlie Brewer on mm-hmm. Thursday night, there just weren't a lot of throws that were off mark from Charlie. Yes, he looked very poised in that game against for Utah. Very poised, very accurate. Everything was on time, on rhythm, and out of the, uh, I think it was what it was, nineteen of twenty six. I want to say in that game or somewhere in that. Pulling it up, somewhere in that range. Yes, somewhere in that range. It should have been like twenty three of twenty six. There were four very blatantly yeah. dropped balls. Mm-hmm. So. I think Brewer um, showed an accuracy that, to me, felt like it was the standard, and Jaron wasn't quite to that standard. But as he started to catch his bearings, he became he got to that standard, and he was hitting receivers in stride. That throw to Neil Powell for the touchdown was a real indicator that he has all the tools necessary, and when he starts to feel more comfortable – he can hit those big shots, and he can throw those strikes. Also, the throw to Neil Powell that uh, Neil ended up with another touchdown, kind of that extension, put it in a good spot. So we saw Jaron Hall do his thing once he was comfortable. He did, and he just needed to settle in, it felt like. And I felt like in that second quarter, Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator, was his first game, actually, officially as the OC for BYU. I felt like he kind of cut that field in half a little bit for Jaron, just kind of get him to settle in. Said, you know what? Instead of scanning the entire field, we're going to cut the field in half here. You're going to make your reads here and make plays. And I think it got Jaron finally into a groove, and we started really seeing him start to play like we all thought he was capable of. Mm -hmm. He can definitely ball, man. 
and I'm sure that he is he has got this Utah game circled coming up next weekend. I can't believe we're here, man. It's rivalry week. It's it's already Sunday. Yeah. And uh, we are now officially in the rivalry week, and we've got two really good teams in this state. We do. And they're about to face off this upcoming weekend. I can't wait because I don't know how to project it. I mean, I think we all kind of have to project it for Utah until we see BYU shake off this losing streak. Mm-hmm. But I think BYU is going to put up a fight in Lavelle Edwards Stadium coming up next weekend. Yeah, it, it's going to be a, a absolutely bonkers environment, it feels like. Obviously, uh, this is the last rivalry game for two years because they're going to go on hiatus for the next two years after this. Uh, Utah is going to be playing uh, it's Florida, 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 right? It's the Gators, yeah. Florida in back-to-back season. So, uh, BYU, if you want to avoid essentially like 15 years of not beating your rival, well better shake it off now you've got six days to get get yourselves ready for that so getting ready for that um hands i also wanted to talk to you a little bit about with tonight's game 17 tackles in a game doesn't happen very often anymore with a guy like keenan peely and i felt like he was just absolutely everywhere on the field i kept seeing number 41 pop up everywhere and yeah finishes with 17 total tackles in this contest we knew that he had a good camp yeah but I didn't hear his name as often as I heard Thule, as often as I heard maybe even Wilgar. Um, Peely always comes in as, oh, well, he's just that consistent guy. He's that guy that we can rely on, and if we've got an injury or we've got an issue, we can make a move with him and put him into coverages or put him on the blitz or or he's going to fill the gaps for us. He's always just been the mainstay. But a 17-tackle game, that is a massive game. Yeah, it was it was a very, very good game for him. I'm with you on that. I kept hearing a lot, of, as you mentioned, about guys like Max Tooley, Peyton Wilgar. And Tooley didn't play in this game. A little bit of a – it was a, a scratch, it looked like. Uh, ben Bywater filling in admirably with 10 total tackles. But I'd heard a lot about Ben Bywater in, in fall camp. Yeah. He had a shoulder injury in fall camp last year that knocked him out for the entirety of the season had to recover from that, but appears that he is back to full health and good to see him out there. I feel like this linebacking crew had a great game for BYU. I felt like they were in good position most most of the night. Yeah, they it seemed to, to be the case and you you hope that Thule can get back because he's a big part of what they do. But you know, I'm you're looking at some of the injuries coming out of this game and some of the guys that missed. Mm-hmm. If those injuries keep some of these guys off the field and we don't see guys like Thule or Puka Nakua or or um, Jake the Make. Jake Oldroyd, yeah. If we don't see some of those guys come back for the rivalry game, that's going to be a huge detriment. Yeah, no doubt. They need a full roster. They've got to have all of those playmakers from your kicker to your linebacker to your transfer portal wide receiver. you got to have everybody's all hands on deck in order to truly have a chance against this Utah team. Uh, one guy I wanted to say welcome back to is Chaz Ayu. We yeah. haven't seen him since the season opener last year, and he finishes with nine total tackles. Great game by him. Thought he played very well from his safety spot. He had an open field tackle on, a, I believe it was a tight end. It was just a dump off in the flats, and he came up from the safety spot and – it, I think it was, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I, I think that Arizona was down 
13, and they were getting themselves in position for a, a touchdown. And Chaz, all you came, up, came up and up, made that yeah. open field tackle on that tight end that was just clutch. I think to put it to fourth down, and it might have led to a field goal or, or the missed yeah. field goal. I can't remember which it was, but it was such a big open field tackle, a game-saving type tackle. And Chaz, outside of that, Chaz had multiple big big tackles on the night that were really important and looked good. Yeah, he, we saw him play all over the field. We saw him up in the box a lot in tonight's game. He was moving all over the place. But I think that that safety tandem, him and Malik Moore, I think they more than held their own out there. Yeah, they did. Absolutely. Um and they held their own against athletic receivers. I was going to say, the, the Arizona... That's, a, that's Arizona, an athletic Yeah, crew. they, they uh, Castile, it was a B.J. Castile, I believe is his name. Uh, obviously, Stanley Berryhill the third. Very good athletes. And BYU, they hung with them. Uh, that's, the, that's the credit to BYU on defense. Uh, let's take another time out here. We're hoping to hear from Kalani Sitake as well as some of BYU's players. Patrick Kinahan on hand down there in Las Vegas. Maybe we can catch up with PK as well. As we continue on here with the Cougar Post Game Show, more in a moment. By the way, if you guys want to call in, please do so. 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-9663. Be happy to take your calls, get your guys' thoughts on this win for BYU over Arizona. It's all brought to you by our friends at JCW's The Burger Boys, as well as TryDayTrading.com. We'll be back in a moment right here on the Zone Sports Network. They bring some pressure. BYU picked it up nicely. They gave Hall time to throw. Downfield, and it's caught. It's Jai Touchdown, BYU. Cruz, pump fake. Now going backwards, and he tries to fling it away. They're going to call him down. Well, that's where he's supposed to get rid of the ball. He couldn't do it. BYU brought the pressure. Welcome back to your Cougar post-game show here on the Zone Sports Network, brought to you by JCW, as well as our friends at TryDayTrading.com. We are live tonight from the Tri-Day Trading Studios in Lehigh. If you want to give them a shot, TryDayTrading.com. Hands, 10 bucks. You can give, yeah. us, give us a shot. For 30 days. 30 days, yeah. You can get into the day trading market and see really how simple it is to make money. You don't need any experience in it. It's something that fits everybody, and you get to try it for 30 days for just 10 bucks. The software, the personalized coaching, everything that comes with it. So please give it a try. Give it a look. It's a way to make extra money every single month from your own home, yeah, on your own time. I was going to say, if you're trying to supplement your income, there's there's much – I'm not sure there's much easier ways to do it. Because as you mentioned, you can do it on your own time. Yeah. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. 45 minutes to an hour and a half a day. Yeah. Uh, really simple. So give it a shot, folks. It's trydaytrading.com. As Hans mentioned, 10 bucks. Try it for 30 days. Absolutely incredible. All right, Hans, real quick here. I just wanted to give you some scores real quick uh, from the, around the Pac-12. Purdue, 30. Oregon State, 21. Montana, 13. Number 20, Washington, 7. LSU, 27. UCLA, 38. There's your one outlier. Nevada, 22. Cal, 17. Ooh. BYU, 24. Arizona, 16. Jeez. Utah State, 26. Washington State, 23. Man. Not a good day for the Pac-12. Oh, the Pac-12 looks really ridiculous right now. But they still have they still have a couple of bell cows mm-hmm. 
you know, USC did get the win. Oregon sure. did get the win. Utah did get the win. Now, as sloppy as it might have looked for Oregon, as sloppy as it might have looked for USC, I thought Utah looked pretty solid uh, against Weber. I thought they looked really solid against Weber. They still have a couple bell cows, but that is not a good way to start your your conference season. Um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about and see if you'd heard any more about it, but a lot of rumors swirling that BYU is going to see Notre Dame in Allegiant Stadium in 2022. Yeah, Mark Anderson down there from the Las Vegas Review Journal. That dude's about as connected as anybody is in that market. He's been there for a long time. Uh, PK sings his praises, and PK used to be on the road with him a lot, and PK says this guy knows what he's doing. He has written that, yeah, it's going to be a Shamrock Series game. It's kind of the Notre Dame takes a game every year somewhere around the country and plays a game. sounds like it'll be going to Las Vegas next year, BYU and Notre Dame. This will be the home game that BYU has been owed by Notre Dame. There will be a modification to that contract to be played in Las Vegas. And both teams next year have corresponding open dates on October 8th or October 29th. Well, I expect to see that game, and I'm excited about it. And I just put out a tweet. I believe that based off what we just saw from BYU fans showing up at Allegiant Stadium and showing up in droves, Mm -hmm. and based on what we saw from the ESPN broadcast of it, how good it all looked with the BYU fans there and the excitement of it. Also – Pair that with how the BYU coaching staff showed up, the Mm -hmm. BYU team showed up, and really made that a good game. And it was a fun game. That would have been a really fun game to be there in Allegiant Stadium to watch. Take all of those things and and combine them, and I think that you'll be out of your mind if that Allegiant Stadium staff doesn't reach out to BYU every single year and say, give us a game down here. There's already been indications that they already are hoping to do that. They give, give us an opener. Yeah. Um, give us a game. Bring your fans. Bring your team. They did it so many, so many times in the Vegas Bowl. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes that – it just brings a, a fun environment to that stadium. Now, I know BYU fans get made fun of because they go to Las Vegas with 100 and they never break it. And, you know, Thank all, you, Lavelle Edwards. Yeah, all those funny things that they say about BYU fans. But – BYU fans still buy the hotels. They do. They still buy the breakfast. They might not drop the hundred down on a game of poker, but they're going to hit your buffet, though. But they're going to they're going to hit your buffet, and they're going to have some fun in your town. Mm-hmm. So, I I think it's a really good fit, and I'm really proud of how BYU represented themselves, from the fans to the coaching staff to the administration to the players to the broadcast. It all looked very classy, and that's a really good indicator that BYU might have a good partnership down there at Allegiant Stadium. They set a record. Uh, so they had the original record, by the way. So in that Vegas Bowl against Oregon, when they absolutely clobbered Mike Bellotti and the Ducks, yeah. they set the record for the biggest football crowd in Las Vegas or Nevada history, excuse me, with 44,814 people that game. This game tonight down there at Allegiant Stadium – 54,000 and change, setting a new record that BYU already owned by 10,000 people. Pretty fun, man, to see 
so many BYU fans I can down t- there. And- I can tell you this much. If that Notre Dame game is truly going to happen, yeah, that's going to be a 65,000-plus yeah, sellout. it'll be a sellout. Yeah. Cause oh, for sure. Notre Dame travels as well as any fan base They'll, they'll the sell out that stadium. Oh, yes. It'll be 65,000-plus, and it'll be rocking. Especially if BYU puts together a good season this yes. season. Uh, and Notre Dame puts together a good season this season, which both are expected to do. Correct. Yeah, Jack Cohn is the new quarterback for Notre Dame. They got off to a well, decent start. The other thing that'll be interesting is we might have a Big Twelve announcement before that game. Too. Uh, I was going to say there's some rumors out there that this coming week could be full of rivalry week, all obviously, but also some news involving BYU and a potential invite or actually an application, excuse me, for them to become members of the Big Twelve Conference. A lot of fun and exciting things in front of BYU football, and I know that means a lot to you. Obviously, it means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. It means a lot to our sports community that BYU stay relevant, uh, that they continue to grow and build. Those things are really important for sports radio here in the state of Utah, and they're really important for me. guy that played at BYU, and I've watched Utah – continue to climb this ladder of money and success while BYU has stayed stagnant. They've done what they can in independence, but they've stayed stagnant. And now you're starting to feel like there might be a ladder to climb. It won't be the revenue distribution that Utah's getting with this newly built Big 12, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be a step in the right direction. And I'm just so thankful that this is a possibility to get BYU sports out of the West Coast Conference. I get it. Everybody wants to be friendly, and a lot of people attack me for the sure. tweet I put out there, and they're like, you need to show more respect to the West Coast Conference. They took BYU and nobody else would. Now, screw that. I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was absurd that anybody in that department felt okay putting, at the time, Dave Rose and his staff burying them in the West Coast Conference. Dave Rose was not happy about that. Absolutely and, and, not. And by the None way, of them should be. The, the whole deal with the West Coast Conference, there is one other scenario people are forgetting. BYU had a plan to take their sports back to the WAC. They were going to keep the WAC relevant at the D1 level. They were going to put the other sports in that conference. Craig Thompson, the commissioner of the Mountain West Conference, caught wind of it, called up Nevada, Fresno State, and one other school I can't remember off the top of my head right now, and he actually scuttled the entire plan BYU had. And then they had to kind of scramble, and they found the home in the West Coast Conference. I'm with you, Hans. Getting out of the West Coast Conference would be absolutely incredible because the men's basketball program, they frankly deserve better. Yeah, they do. And I've believed that, and I've been vocal about that, and I'm not going to back down from that. So the the thought of them possibly moving into the Big 12 is a, a huge plus for not only the football team, but for all the Olympic sports. Yeah. And let's one other note on that. I know there are a lot of people out there. Well, the travel concerns. Okay, you know what? It is what it is. You're going to have to put up more money. You're going to have to travel to Morgantown. UCF reportedly is going to be this. You're going to have to travel to Orlando. I actually saw a tweet this morning that uh, Salt Lake City International Airport, they have flights to all Big 12, all as what they're expecting the Big 12, Big 12 to be. They have direct flights to all the different airports around those schools except one, and that's Texas Tech and Lubbock. And you can connect through Dallas. You can connect through Phoenix. to get Which to everybody Lubbock. has to do. Yes. So that's a lot of good news. Um, and then obviously the good news of the win tonight. That was a big win. And we all expected BYU to get a win. We thought that it would be by a larger margin than it was. But 
you could tell that Jaron was shaking some jitters out. Mm-hmm. You could tell that injuries and lack of personnel Correct. had some effect on what BYU was able to do. But it's going to be a new week. We'll see if some of these guys can get back on the field and see how BYU looks going into this Utah game. But there's a lot of excitement surrounding the program right now. Sure. And we'll see if they can take that momentum into a nine-game losing streak against their rival. Kalani, to his credit, Kalani Satake is now 5-1 and one in, in his opening games as head coach of BYU. Pretty awesome. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's awesome that they are able to game plan like that. And By the way, saw some play calling tonight from Aaron Roderick that I really liked. Opened up a playbook on a on a throwback, a flea flicker back to the, to the quarterback, and he he ain't afraid to really go do some razzle dazzle stuff. Well, and just so everybody knows, you there might be some people out there that are like, why would you show that against Arizona? You've got to show some of those things so Utah's busy looking at that mm-hmm. while you're getting busy doing other things. Correct. So you want to show some things to force Utah to look at some film and. And now they're concerned about this quarterback throwback, and then you got to have, and then you got to have things that are kind of wrapped around that, where mm-hmm. you can make play calls based off of what Utah does if they see that personnel package and if they see that quarterback start to roll out. Maybe you put a wrinkle on top of it, but we didn't see a lot of jet sweep, and we've seen that from Roderick in the past, and. We, uh, I, I know that there are a lot of different seam routes that we didn't see from tight ends that we've seen from Roderick in the past mm-hmm. that I'm sure are yet to come. Well, there wasn't as much pre-snap movement either. That's that's one thing I kind of noticed in this game. There, there, of I course, didn't see much of that. Receivers either. in motion, but that's a wrinkle that I think you can still. You, obviously, it's going to be something they're going to continue to use because you, you mentioned they didn't use the fly sweep at all that I recall in tonight's game, and that's been a staple of BYU's offense since Kalani Satake uh, brought in Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick and. Uh, Jeff was a guy who really believed in the fly sweep. I don't believe that Aaron Roderick is just going to just dump it immediately after Jeff Grimes moves on. But I think you're right. I think we're going to see new wrinkles in this offense. They're going to try and work on some stuff. And as you mentioned, you've got to get Utah thinking, okay, we've got to be ready for that flea flicker. They've got to be game planning for that. And then at the same time, BYU sitting down there and saying, okay, what can we do to mix it up here and really cross them up a little bit more? All right, so we'll uh, – Supposed to have audio here momentarily from Las Vegas. We'll hear from Kalani Sitake. Let you hear his post-game thoughts. Um, Hands, in terms of now, as they turn their attention to Utah, you're a guy who played at the Y. You played in this rivalry game. Can you describe for our listeners that are out there, like just the emotions of this game as a player as you get ready to play in it? I wonder how much it's changed since they're out of conference. Sure, and, it was a different era for you, no doubt. And I wonder how much it's changed because every time we played, there there were some implications, some conference implications. And that always, and it was the last game of the year, so mm-hmm. you knew that you could put everything that you had into it. Everything that you had left in the tank, you could just dump it out there. And you didn't, you didn't worry about injuries, you didn't worry about anything because it was the last game of the year. So things may change may have changed but aside from those things the second you step on campus the veterans that are in the locker room start talking to you about the U of U Mm -hmm. or the veterans start talking to you about BYU and how we don't lose to that team and how this is a 
in-state rivalry for the ages and you start learning about the history of it and the substance of it. And every one of these BYU football players right now have never seen a win yeah. against the University of Utah, whether it's a return missionary that was recruited in, like Joe Tukawafu. Yeah, he's 2014, right? Or was a like 2014, that. and I, I think he showed up at BYU in 2016 something off like a that. mission. Yeah. 2015, 2016 off a mission. He has never seen mm-hmm. a BYU victory over the University of Utah. So these guys have something major to play for. And then on the flip side of that, the senior class at Utah mm-hmm. doesn't want to be the class that lets the streak slip away. So Correct. you've got some really unique heat that comes into this weekend. And it, cre- it creates such a fantastic clash of emotions. Plus, fans have been really nasty, both BYU and Utah fans. I, I'm sure you felt it on Twitter. It's a 365-a-day year rivalry. It yeah. exists in all things in this state. You know, I, I feel it when we get to this point of the year. I feel it very heavy because I, I'm going to pick Utah to win this game. I I, I have since this this whole streak started because the their talent has jumped. Mm-hmm. And I do think Utah right now has slightly better talent. And, and look, that's a very broad statement because BYU has got some very good talent. Sure. But um, it always puts me in a hot spot. Yeah. Because people are like, well, how could you – how dare you? Well, to me, it's, it's not about that. Like, I'm trying to make a prediction based off of history and personnel and – Hey, look, I've been right the last eight years. I was going to say, you've been right more often than you've been wrong. That's yeah. So, so, Hans, I have, I've had a similar thing. I actually said it on my podcast last year. I do that Locked On Cougars podcast. Uh-huh. And I made that statement last year. I said, I will not pick BYU until they prove they can do it. And yeah. a guy literally, so on podcasts, on like Apple Podcasts, you could leave a review of an app. Yeah. He left me a one-star review and said, I will not listen to a podcast if somebody doesn't believe that BYU can oh, beat really? Utah. It, was just, it made me chuckle. Yeah, that's funny. It made me laugh. Uh, by the way, before we get to the clients to talk, I want to give a shout-out to Amber Roberts. She says, you guys are doing a great job with the post-game show. It's keeping us awake on our 59-minute walk back to our hotel because Ubers cost $88 right now for a three-mile drive, Ooh. and the strip is being overrun by BYU fans. Holy cow. $88 for a three-mile ride on, in an Uber. That is absurd. That's surge pricing uh, at its finest. Walk safely. Yes. Take very visible routes. Yep. And uh, and please just enjoy the Kalani Satake sound. Yeah. All right. Here you go. Kalani Satake, BYU head coach after BYU's 24-16 victory over the University of Arizona. Really happy about the win. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of things that uh, we can improve on, but um, to give a lot of credit to Arizona, their coaching staff did a great job getting their guys ready to play. They're really motivated, um, and, and I think once we got things figured out, uh, they just kept fighting through it. So I was really proud of the, the, the fight from our team to respond and find a way to get the win. So that 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 was a major thing. Obviously, there's a lot of places to improve on, but um, just glad we got the win, and now we can just get that one out of the way and then find a way to get improved from week one to week two. So I'll take any questions you guys have. <laughs> yeah, I thought he made some plays. I mean, I, I look at, at the um, – um, he broke a long one for, you know, scrambled. He created some space for himself um, with, his, with his legs in the backfield. And um, I like the, the composure, 
poise that he had. Um, he's a great leader for us, you know. So I, I think that, uh, you know, obviously he knows that there's some things that he, he, he wants to do and plays that he wants to get back. And so um, we're just going to look forward to learning as much as we can from this game and find ways to get better. But uh, that guy, that guy knows how to how to play basketball, how to play football, and how to create space and. He's, his athleticism is, um, is something that's really beneficial for our program. So uh, I, I like the way he con controls the offense. And, um, you know, we obviously had some guys got banged up. Um, so hopefully we can get those guys back and, and be healthy for next week. Because when Gunner went down, that caused some issues. We had some guys that we tried out, practiced all week, and tried the game. And then it came time to make a decision on what was best for the young man. Talk about the Nakua's. And, Max Tooley and uh, some Jackson Kafusi. And it's just, uh, I think the decision was to just keep them out and, um, you know, try to find a way to get them healthier for next week. So I'm glad we were able to get that done. But uh, I think um, you know, hopefully we can get all, all those those weapons back for Jaron to use on, on offense and get some more weapons back on defense and create more depth for us on, as a team and as a whole. Really had one turnover in the entire game. It was that interception by Livingston? How big was that? That was huge. Hayden coming in. I mean, we the the, the major issue was we we had to defend a lot of snaps. Uh, look here, they had 83 plays. You know, and uh, that's that's what I'm doing on defense. We've got to find a way to get off the field. And uh, they had they went for it on fourth down quite a bit, and they went for it on. I mean, had third and shorts. So we got to create uh, longer third downs and try to get get some disruptive disruptive plays. But um, the guys played hard. I'm glad Hayden came in, and uh, we rotated our defense quite a bit because of the amount of reps and the long drives that were going on. And we have a lot of faith in, in Hayden being able to control the, the you know the defensive backfield. So that was huge for us. Um, I don't know how many times they took shots downfield, but I think we were in pretty good position most of the time. Uh, declined the penalty. I mean, if I look back at it, declined the penalty. I thought, okay, I was hoping that maybe they'd try to go for it or um, that it would be a difficult punt. Nobody wants to practice really those 30-yard punts, you know. And they, he actually, the punter kicked a good ball, and, and, and it, it took a weird hop and got us on the one-yard line. And, you know, that, that kind of puts ourselves in a bad spot. I think we were, the score was 21-3 to three at the time. And then um, the one-yard line, I thought, you know, Maybe the offense could get us out of, I mean, out of that that uh, bad field position. But um, credit to Arizona, they made some plays and, and um, you know, got the safety. The hard part about that is that you get the safety and then you also have to kick off from 20. And so they got a good return. And so they, it just seemed like they started to get some get, gain some momentum. And then they scored and got the two-point conversion. And then now everything's kind of flipped, you know. So we had to find a way to... to React, and I like the way our guys fought through and eventually won the game for us. Tony, what was it like in the evolution of the game? Because you mentioned going in, you weren't positive what was going to, you know, what Arizona was going to do, how they were going to approach things. What was that like having to try and make those adjustments in game? As yeah, what they were doing? you're right. I mean, I, I think they they changed up, had some change of tempo things, and and um, we were prepared for a lot of it. But there, there's just so much going on that. Uh, defense, offense that we're trying to figure out that, what they're doing, and um, a lot of it. There's some new things, but most of it was kind of true to what we saw in film. 
and what we try to prepare for. And uh, I think the biggest swing in the game was that that whole series from the um, the punt to the one yard line, the safety, and then the you know the, the next following series. So uh, I, I still feel like we, we could have gotten ourselves in a better position to you know score more points on offense. I mean, they had way more plays than we did. If I was really if I'm going to talk about our defense, I, I like the way they handled most of the run game. Um, Keenan said it himself, we, we had to tackle better, you know, but um, I think that's that's going to be something we'll try to emphasize. But we had a lot of guys in there and um, tired bodies and just trying to have to find ways to react to the check down. And we change up some play calls. You guys saw some blitzes in there, so I don't have to hear about the complaining that we never blitz. So, yeah, so we, you know, we were able to change some things up and. I like the way um, Tuyaki prepared the defense. I think it was, for the most part, you know, it was a little bit bent. bent we, we bend a lot because of the, the yards, passing yards especially, but I think you find ways to keep being disruptive with our pass rush. And I think um, getting like Batty and all those guys back and getting kind of getting this game under their, you know, their belt would be, I think it was gonna be, it's gonna be good for us. We'll see from week one to week two, but I, I think a lot of coaches will say the biggest improvement happens in the season from week one to week two, and this is a good time for us to improve and get better. Last couple of questions for Coach. The field goal by Justin Smith was huge. Yeah. Uh, what was it, just confident that he could make it? Yeah, and, and, you know, Jake wasn't able to go today as well, you know, so we, we, we were still working with him on, on, on some things and some injury. We, we were hoping that he'd be able to, to kick for us. He, he did this week, and just wasn't feeling right today, so uh, we were lucky that, that Justin was able to step in and do that. Um, we have a lot of confidence in him, and and he, you know, I think the first PAT was just kind of an odd thing that I'm not sure what happened, but there's a movement up front, and it caused a, a little bit of a lack of focus from our snap to our hold, and and then the, you know we had that mistake, so I'm glad that we got that fixed later on. And, we able to go for a two-point conversion and get the points back up. What were the emotions that you were feeling with Keenan Ellis was down? Yeah, that was scary. It was scary because he, um, was trying to, in those moments, you're trying to just hope for, um, you know, you just hope for the best, even in that situation. And we just weren't seeing a lot of improvement right away. And then started to come to and, and, and we were relieved that he was moving his, his arms and his legs. He just kept wanting to get up, you know, and then he would, it was just, a, it was a scary moment. I think uh, I just give a lot of credit to our athletic training uh, group, sports medicine, they were there and they, they did a good job trying to convince him that he could, just, could control him a little bit, you know, and um, from what we know, they're going to still hold him and run some tests just to make sure, but it looks like everything's improving and, and he's moving his arms and his legs, so that's a good sign for us. But that was hard. I mean, that, that's, no one likes to see that. I, it was hard for us, but it was also hard for Arizona. That's that's the scary part of the game when, when someone goes down like that. It, it just it just kind of, because there's so much time in, that took place in that, in that there was a lapse in the game and then we just had to kind of get back after it on, on both sides. Gunner got banged up. Lopa came back in and played. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Yeah, Gunner didn't come back and play, so we're going to evaluate that. And then um, we feel really good about the Nakua's for next week. 
you know, Samson went back in there and got the on on our hands team, you know. So uh, that was we're we're lucky that he's you know he's aware and, and knows where he's supposed to be, and and lucky that he helped win the game for us. And so we're hoping to get those guys back 100% for next weekend. There you go, Kalani Satake. Head coach BYU after uh, they went over Arizona, and you heard him talk about the Keenan Ellis hit their hands. And uh, latest things out of latest thing on that out of Las Vegas is that uh, Ellis's latest CT scan came back normal. He's going to remain at the University Medical Center there in Las Vegas overnight for observation, but should be able to rejoin his teammates in Provo soon. So that's some good news on that front. That's really good news. And then right there at the back end of the Kalani Sataki sound. He said, we feel really good for the Nakua's next week. What I've been hearing in the lead-up to this game is that this game was going to be limited at best for both of them, and the hope was, yes, Arizona – sorry, Arizona game missed that game potentially, but then they wanted to have them ready to go for Utah. Well, if Gunnar Romney's out at any any level, then you're going to absolutely need to have them. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt about that. So, all right, Ans, any final thoughts before we wrap things up here with this Cougar post game? No, both these games, Utah's game against Weber and BYU's game against Arizona were the perfect start to get us ready for rivalry week. And rivalry week, and I think that everything is lined up for this to be a special week at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And I just wish I could snap my fingers and be there yeah. at game time doing pregame. Uh, breaking down the matchups, knowing who's back. And it's just going to be a really big, fun week of sports here in the state of Utah. And there's, it's nothing like rivalry week when it comes around this time of year. And we're going to have a lot of fun with it. So stay tuned throughout the week. DJ and PK, bright and early Monday morning, 6 to 10 a.m. Hands, you and Scotty, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. every day. And, of course, the big show, wrap things up on your drive home from 2 to 7 p.m. throughout the week. And, obviously, we'll have pre- and post-game coverage for you guys in the lead-up to that game next Saturday night. A big thank you once again to TryDayTrading.com for letting us use their studios. Get to TryDayTrading.com. Ten bucks. You can try it out. See if it works for you. A way to make some extra income if you're looking to do that. Ten bucks for a 30-day trial. Also brought to you by our friends over at JCW's. Hans and I enjoyed some delicious wings tonight there at JCW's. A big thank you to them for being sponsors of the Cougar pre- and post-game shows. And until next time, hope you all are doing great. This has been the Cougar post-game show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network.